0: let me do this shit finish the letter amy i got (laughs) to say what i gotta say (laughs) just kidding i'm sorry (laughs) let me start this fucking thing over okay welcome to cancer for breakfast with amy and steph i'm amy and i'm steph
1: Try to make cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone. It may not be suitable for all audiences, and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute
0: for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't
1: even go to podcasting school. <laughs> Hi, Steph. Hi, Amy. Listeners, it's Cancer for Breakfast. How's everybody doing? Yeah, you good? You good? Tell <laughs> us if you're good. Um, are you good, Steph? I am pretty good. I have been convalescing, as some of our listeners may know. Um, mm-hmm. Don't you ch- panic, listeners? If you don't know, <laughs> I will, I'm, it's a I'm, cancer I'm... podcast. You can't just start it like that. Everyone's like, "No, <laughs> no." Um, I had surgery. It's fine. I'm totally fine. But I have been playing a lot of video games. Wait, as... wait,
0: wait! You can't just start <laughs> talking about video games beef. Okay, we'll get to the video games just very briefly. Maybe we won't talk about the surgery too much because we are gonna do a whole entire surgery focused episode that can be sort of like a little Cliff's Notes for people that are yeah. pending surgeries that want some like advice from the ground, right from right. the trenches. Um, <laughs> the sick. Beds. So if you have advice for people about going into surgery, um, tips, tricks, methods, things to ask your surgeons send us an email, cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Steph, tell us what surgery you just had.
1: I just had a salpingo oophorectomy, which is the removal of my fallopian tubes and ovaries. Yeah. um, Because those little estrogen factories trying to kill me.
0: They are. Making the very
1: food Mm -hmm. that my cancer craves. You no longer have to get, those
0: stupid menopause shots anymore that you were getting monthly exactly big perk for sure and you've also noticed some side effect changes Let's talk yeah about
1: that. yeah yeah so um i wasn't expecting this i don't know why really but uh i have noticed that my hot flashes are for all intents and purposes gone um That's right bonus very exciting huge and then also a lot of my joint pain has kind of reduced. That Which is so cool. It's really cool. I mean, I think that like you and I have talked about how we think it's maybe just like my body no longer feeling like it has to go against the grain. Right. Um, I'm not sure that that's the actual truth, but I'll take it regardless. Right. Um. Maybe it's just that, you know, now those organs are no longer present. It's not, you know, fighting against something unnatural. So it also could be just normal side effects of having a drug (laughs) like Lupron. Yeah. Maybe it was contributing more to my joint pain than I realized. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also off Berzenio for just about two weeks because I was ever so slightly neutropenic and my platelets are chronically low. So it could be a combo. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm enjoying it. Are you back on the risen You? I am back on. Um can say I did not miss the GI side effects. Um but... and immediately they're back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but it's fine. It's fine, you know. Yeah. You gotta do something to kick this cancer <laughs> you know mm-hmm. can't get off scot-free well i'm glad
0: that you had that surgery um it is interesting the fallopian tube addition i do know that for um people that are braca that sometimes get their ovaries out to eliminate that risk mm-hmm. especially people who are non-hormone cancers that have braca like Triple negative people, perhaps, might be BRCA that they've found that if you just take the fallopian tubes out and leave the ovaries for those people, that is effective in protecting you from ovarian cancer because they're finding that ovarian cancer starts in the ovaries. Did you hear this? No. Yeah. Or sorry, ovarian cancer starts in the fallopian tubes. So, I mean, in our case, if I were BRCA, it would benefit me to take the whole thing out, obviously, because I don't need the ovaries making estrogen. Right. But if you're like, don't have an estrogen sensitivity, there's other great things your ovaries can do for your body and like keeping them in, you know, like there's no reason to have to go through menopause if you're 33 and triple negative. But anyway, but I'm interested in why they took it out for you.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure about that. I do know that, you know, I was given the option if I wanted to have a complete hysterectomy, like take out uterus and cervix Mm -hmm. also and my oncologist and my, um, gynecological oncologist my surgeon um they all said that you know like orgasm can involve both your cervix and your uterus too so they were like Mm -hmm. you know you're very low risk as somebody with lobular breast cancer and low risk for cervical or um uterine mets and so they were like let's just keep those like don't take out what you can still use so yeah cool yeah, so it was fine. I, I'll, I'll talk about it more. I, um, my therapist and I, kind of, came up with some strategies for minimizing trauma that I can't wait to share when we do a yeah. surgery episode. But absolutely yeah. great. But while I was in the sick bed, I started playing a lot of video games. All right, you're allowed to talk about that now. <laughs> Let's hear it. Um, so. I don't know. I'm I'm not like a huge video game person. And mm-hmm. if people are listening who are huge video game people, this is probably, I'm going to sound like somebody's dorky mom, which I am. <laughs> That's true. True fact about me. Guilty. <laughs> I was given as a gift when I was first diagnosed a Switch Lite because I was deep in the Animal Crossing craze. Of the pandemic. And so I played a lot of Animal Crossing, but I also found these two games one called Spiritfarer and one called Cozy Grove, which Mm -hmm. I found on lists for people dealing with grief. Hmm. And it's kind of a funny venue, I guess, for processing grief, but I have found it to be kind of shockingly poignant. Playing these games wow. and these are like not difficult like I do not I'm not like good at video games you know there's no fighting or whatever you know <laughs> these are just like you kind of go around and do tasks yeah type of games but Cozy Grove like you're like a, a scout and you're on an island and you have to help all of these ghost bears like complete the things that are still outstanding and. In their journey, so that they can move on to like the afterlife. Hmm. And Spirit Fair is kind of the same thing, but both what both games do really well, I think, is talk about people and creatures and whatever as like flawed, but worthy of love and kind of like running the whole spectrum from good to problematic. And still deserving of, like, having help leaving their earthly plane. It's just Mm. such a weird topic for a video game to try to tackle. But I find that both of them do it really deftly, Mm -hmm. strangely. I don't know.
0: And it actually changes how you feel about, like, your own
1: death? It does. Or just dying in general and the sadness of the world? or It does both, actually. Because... I'm not like really a spiritual person, you know, I don't have like a supernatural belief, which is well established on this podcast, but I do struggle. I think like a lot of like atheists do with the fact that like, once you die, you're just like done, right? You know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing else. And what these video games kind of tackle is talking about how people can still be present even after they've moved on. Um, I don't want to spoil either game for anybody that wants to play it, but there is still an aspect of like being able to interact with the creatures, even after you've helped them move on in their journey. Mm -hmm. And they're like little trinkets that you can have to remember them by. And they continue to talk about the marks that they've made on the world that they lived in and stuff. And, you know, it's not like beat you over the head with it like it would be if you're reading like a book about grief, mm-hmm. but it's while you're doing something fun, so it kind of sneaks it in in a in a weird way. Do you think it was made with that as the goal? I don't think it was made specifically to process grief, but I do think there had to be some component of that in the design of the game. Like it had, it's so thoughtfully done. I think that. Mm. They had to be thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know. I found like this list of games that people use to process grief, grief of all kinds, not just like death grief, but all kinds of grief and trauma. Hmm. And these were the two games, Spiritfarer and Cozy Grove, that stuck out to me as games that like I could play as a person who's not like good at them. Mm -hmm. But I want to link to the article in the show notes because other people might be drawn to different types of games, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um but it's cool. It's just been, you know, a nice kind of chill way to pass the time while also being kind of thoughtful about something. Totally.
0: That's like such a nice surprise when you're sort of game for something no pun. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> it actually makes a difference where I mean if it hadn't made a difference it would still just be kind of like a cute fun game to play like no harm done. Yeah. You know, but the fact that it actually like gave you any sort of peace or like different way of thinking about something that's impossible yeah, to think about
1: this is sort of neat absolutely and like a spirit fair has kind of like more adult themes i guess there's like smoking and stuff in it so i don't know that it's
0: <laughs> you know like... how we feel about that <laughs> on the cancer podcast
1: <laughs> um but you know i don't know that i would like recommend it for like younger younger kids but cozy grove my kids can totally all play like from 7 to 13 and they love it like they think it's really cute and fun but we can still talk about those kind of overarching themes of like hmm. what happens to you when you die what happens to your spirit when you die like do you still live in people's memories blah 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 so do you think it's a good tool for um cancer grown-ups who have kids that are processing their situation. I absolutely do. Yeah. This sounds like sponsored content or something. But I swear it's not. <laughs> <sighs> it's just, yeah, it's called Cozy Grove. It's for Nintendo Switch, at least. It might be on other like gaming mm. platforms, but highly recommend, I think, for anybody who can read, probably is just the only qualifier. Cool. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Um, should I read some letters or how are you feeling about such an idea? I would love for you to. Well, let's do it then. This first one is just a nice little note I will go ahead and read. Um Good morning, beautiful ladies. Today is scan day for me. These days and days leading up to it are always filled with a ball of anxiety, hence the term scanxiety, I guess. Along with that comes the toxic positivity from all my friends and family with the, I'm sure you will be fine. Don't worry. It's just a routine scan. I've gotten so frustrated with my feelings not being validated that I've gotten to the point where I don't even ask my husband to come anymore. Instead, I listen to your recurrence episode and get all the validation and support I need. Oh. So thank you both for all that you do and the community that you have created. I am able to get through this a little easier because of you. I hope your day is amazing, smile because you both truly make a difference. <gasps> from Jamie. That's so nice.
1: Oh, Jamie. That is so
0: nice. Yeah, nobody understands the scanxiety like another cancer person. I got a phone call from one of my best cancer friends that I've made throughout this mm-hmm. um just yesterday and she was freaking out about having to get these routine scans that she never thought she was going to have to get when she signed up for getting cancer. (laughs) Just kidding. That was a joke. Um, But but her surgeon had recommended like MRIs and ultrasounds and all of this stuff for like, it just wasn't a part of the treatment plan to begin with. And now it is. And she's like somebody who's done with her active treatment early stage, but it's done a lot. And she's sort of like, I don't want to do this, you know, but I don't want to not do it if I need to do it, you know? Right. She was explaining to me how the second she gets that phone call from scheduling, even if it's for something five months out or something, even if it's like so far away, the panic starts then. Yeah. And the inability to like make plans anytime before or after even the scan because you know you're going to be so taken up and uh after we hung up the phone i had walked in the house talking on the phone and after we hung up the phone um my husband was there and i i said well that was my friend and i was like see i'm not crazy i was like (laughs) yeah this is very normal i was like my friend was just telling me about having like total panic about having to get these upcoming scans that are just, you know, um, what's the word? Routine. Routine. Yeah. Follow up. Yeah. Like, and I was like, see, I was like, I'm not the only one that, you know, and then he's like, yeah. And this is like not to diss on him or anything, but this is just an example of how like people don't get it. Like his active listening of like, yeah, because blah, blah, blah was like, not, the reason you know oh, like I don't yeah. remember what he said but it was like oh yeah because um I don't I don't remember what he said so this story is like not that great but <laughs> but it just like made me in my head be like no that's actually not why like it's like not at all totally about that most obvious thing that like somebody from the outside would assume you yeah. know that yeah. you like you know don't like the sound of the machine or you have to go back to the cancer or like some that's that's not what he said but you know just some other thing where someone's like oh you have trauma around something is it because it you know the smell of the you know it's like no it's because
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's hard it is really hard and I think that so many of the Platitudes or whatever, like the things that people say, are just to get you to stop talking about it. Like, if we're honest, you know, yeah. Because so many of the responses are like, "Oh, it's going to be fine." Like, I just know it's going to be great. It's that's not validating at all, and it's not like when somebody says that to you, you're going to be like, "Oh, okay, she says it's going to be great, so that must mean (laughs) I have nothing to worry about." It's just like they don't know what to say in the moment, and so they're going to say the thing that makes them feel Mm -hmm. like you can move on and talk about something else. There's like the really great thing that even doctors like to say,
0: like my regular doctor, not my oncologist or anything. I had a scan recently that I was all freaked the freak up about. Yeah. But there's always this statement of like, well, if it, if it is, then at least you'll know. And then you can deal with it. And like, that is so true, but it doesn't fucking matter. Like it doesn't make anyone feel like, you know what? That's a pretty good point. Or like, <laughs> I am going to just go have some tea and chillax a little bit in that case. You know, it's like, that's yeah, not at the least point.
1: I'll know like, if I have stage four cancer, <laughs> yeah. there is that. Thank you so much. Thanks doc. <laughs> is that what this test is to find out? Oh, great, yeah, <laughs> anyway it's hard, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to Jamie that um people are not as intuitive about knowing what to say as they could be, otherwise, I don't know. we're doing yeah. our part here.
0: It does make sense though, as she's like further down in the game, finding her own methods of mm-hmm. support and coping where it's just like, okay, bringing my husband along isn't the support I need notice to the husband, but like that's just not as helpful. Yeah. You know, finding like a podcast episode, for example, that's great. Or another, you know, cancer friend to panic with,
1: you know, exactly.
0: Well, there we are. Um, Okay. So two more quickies. One's a movie wreck. I'll do that one real quick. All right. And I'll do the longer one. Love it. And then on we'll go. Hey, ladies, just saying hey. And to let you know, I saw another just okay cancer movie. Other people. It was kind of by accident. I was doing a Molly Shannon deep dive. I think it handles a lot of subtle things really well and is way less broish, But then a few other things were too typical cancer movie. I guess we're going to have to write a quality cancer movie script. <laughs> but after... Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to read the next part because that's a, it's a message for us. <laughs> that's for private times. <laughs> okay. Um, but I guess we're just going to have to write a quality cancer movie script. All right, we're in. But seriously, I really liked the last episode. I have a lot of thoughts that relate to the old me. And while pediatric cancers get paltry funding, a number of cancers, including the coolest one, brain, winky face, have seen some of the more significant treatment developments start as pediatric treatments and then get adopted or adapted for adults. Hashtag truth. Anyway, um, hope all is well or at least manageable. Fuck hackers. <laughs> I think that's a reference
1: to our Instagram getting hacked. Um, And that's from Rudy. Rudy. Rudy also has been hacked multiple times. Yeah, so he knows
0: he totally knows Um, so other people with molly shannon it's a movie from 2016
1: that doesn't totally suck so i like how metered his uh recommendation was it was like (laughs) it's not wonderful but (laughs) you
0: should know it exists
1: (laughs) thanks rudy I do like Molly Shannon. Thanks, Rudy. We were, did we tell everybody that we were on Rudy's podcast talking about movies? No, we, what was the movie we talked about? I'm going to forget what it's called. Oh, hell. Uh,
0: it had somebody that was like, I kept calling Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but it was really that other one.
1: (laughs) It featured Jonathan Taylor (laughs) Thomas and (laughs) it was a guy who reminds me of dead people. Was it him? What
0: Bruce Willis, Jonathan Osteen, or is that the Christian guy? Osteen, <laughs> Joel Osteen, <laughs>
1: Doctor Oz. Is it Doctor Oz, the child star? Okay, and Jason Siegel? All right. Listen, we, we can't, we can't be bothered to remember the names of actors or movies. No, but I do love that Rudy did a deep dive on Molly Shannon. I do too. Okay, last. uh f- Last of the letters of the
0: day, and then on to rats. Dear Amy and Steph, I couldn't be more happy to have found your podcast. You are doing an incredible job and have been bringing so much comfort over my mom's cancer diagnosis. Oh, i Oh, I'm
1: sorry. Thanks. I'm sorry about I'm... that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let me just make this about me. <laughs> Look,
0: I hate us too. Okay. So she says, I have a story to tell for the next iteration of Cancer for a Bitch Fest. Hopefully you're planning on making that a seasonal occurrence. We are, but when will that be? We don't know. So I'm just going to read your letter now. Oh, or why not do a fatisode? A whole episode about how anti-fatness bias is damaging for cancer patients, a topic that I know you have already covered here and there. We have, including in a really great letter just a couple episodes ago, but... For a future episode those are both great ideas but i'm the same i'm gonna read it yeah my mom's a 70 something italian woman living in italy who was recently diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma following a long hospital stay to recover from a never fully understood neurological illness oh, no. after a mass was found in a scan meant to look for anomalies related to the condition she had a biopsy and received a phone call for the surgeon to discuss the results in the same few minutes-long phone call in which the surgeon delivered the devastating cancer news, he said that she needed surgery to remove the tumor and that by the time of the surgery, my mom would need to lose weight because she had too much fat around her kidney. <gasps> he added that the surgery would take place sometime in the next three months. I find this conversation outrageous because it strikes me as both non-actionable and damaging, non-actionable, because how can an attempt to lose weight be successful when we are talking about, one, not losing just any weight, but specifically kidney fat, two, by an unspecified date, three, while on steroids for the neurological problem, four, while unable to exercise normally due to the neurological problem, and five, while also trying to recover muscle mass loss due to the neuro logical problem, I challenged the Hollywood dietitian who got Matthew McConaughey to lose all that weight for the Dallas Buyers Club to achieve that. Yeah, um, the conversation was also damaging because even the most body positive person would feel hurt by the words that sound like your body is not fit enough to receive life saving health care. But I guess that the thing that drives me crazy the most is that my mom has the most average body. And I mean, This is purely statistical terms. The majority of Italian women in their 70s look like her. This means that the bodies that are the most likely to show up in the doctor's operating table look exactly like hers. So shouldn't he be used to operating on them? Is this surgery or hot couture? so much for giving me an outlet to vent. The rest of my family and me seem to be more outraged about this thing than my mom herself. And I am trying to be mindful to not project my frustrations on her, but I suspect she is more hurt than she lets it appear. Sending lots of love and looking forward to many more episodes. Liliana. (laughs) P.S. I am counting on Amy to make some hot suture pun <laughs> by the end of this email oh come on oh <sighs> that's it I miss my chance yeah well way to blow it
1: way to blow it Um, what do you think of all this that is um, really really infuriating and what a fucking time right what a time when you are telling the patient they have cancer like come come. come on. Not that it's okay ever to, to have I mean unless it's like truly like we cannot do the surgery for some, you know. But that's not true. That's not the case. Right. Too much fat around her kidney? I mean That sounds yeah. That that sounds like the surgeon's problem, you know? It's like are you not skilled enough? Right. Yeah that's messed up it is messed up and like how sad for for her mom too to like because what are you gonna do just be like yeah that asshole you know like what of course she's hurt but also the shame that she's probably feeling to have been right put through that conversation and I don't know I'm I'm really mad for her too but I totally get why she doesn't want to you know, necessarily project her outrage onto her mom too much. So she's not stressing her out. But man, I mean, I wonder if they can get a different surgeon. That's what I was just wondering too. Just a second opinion to say like, is this
0: even truly an issue? And like, what is the risk there? Is the risk that they won't be able to get to the tumor with the fat or that The incision would have to be too low, that it's more of a dangerous surgery. Like, I'm just confused about what the actual risk factor involved is. And also we've talked about, I think we've talked at least about um, how it's usually not recommended for a lot of cancers to have rapid weight loss. Right. Especially when you're going into treatments like surgeries and chemos and different things that are going to take a lot of healing time and a lot out of your body. That. In some cases, even like you can have worse outcomes if you lose, you know, and I don't want to say an unhealthy amount of weight, but like if you lose a drastic.
1: Well, even not only losing a drastic amount of weight, but intentional weight loss period, because you're depriving your body of calories, of nutrients, like, yeah, you can't be working at a deficit and mm-hmm. also healing it's just yeah. it's not realistic and especially when you add in things that she mentioned like steroids and a neurological problem like come on this is not helpful this is not healthcare. also like certain bodies lose weight in certain areas first
0: and the fastest and the easiest and gain weight in certain like for me like the first place I'll gain weight is my stomach. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, I don't know. I feel like my like, what? whatever, who cares? But I'm just saying like, is her, is her, her kidney fat area, the area where if she is going to lose 15 pounds, is it going to be kidney fat that is, you know, or is right. it like her ass, you know?
1: <laughs> like, yeah. And I mean, I think that's really common. Like that's why a lot of women post-menopause are more apple shaped or whatever, like, because mm-hmm you do gain more in your belly area than you do when you're younger, you know, post-menopause that just, it sucks so bad and it sucks to feel, you know, like you're not being supported in all of the ways that you could be. You're not being empowered, you know, by your healthcare providers. <sighs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
0: I appreciate that little taste of a bitch fest yeah because we should do another bitch fest episode coming up
1: right right and yeah i mean i totally think we could do a fat episode (laughs) we've we have talked about it here and there and you know one of our very first letters was about somebody who was not diagnosed for many many months because of anti-fat bias in healthcare. um Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it's it's really rampant um and it just breaks my heart that it would be something that we would have to consistently tackle in the year 2023 i mean come on
0: um yeah so if you have thoughts or letters for the fatisode for the surgery episode for the <laughs> chemo episode and was there one more I don't think oh, so. Just, just anything. Just cancer for bitch fest. We'll do another one of those coming up too. Any old sure. bitches you have. Sure. Why yeah. not? Um, all right. What's going on with those? Speaking of little bitches what's <laughs> up with the rats. <laughs> oh, could we say we posted oh God, this yes. on our Instagram but uh, with, you know, this is, you know, AI, not the fucking pill I take every day, but the artificial intelligence <laughs> that's in the news all the time. You know, um, I think is going to change the way that we receive email correspondence because <laughs> we just got an email being like, hey, Cancer for Breakfast, we've listened to your podcast. It's great. We were wondering if we could have our rat specialist come in to talk about exterminating rats he's been exterminating rats for 20 years and rodents and (laughs) so i'm just like oh my god if this is ai like they are searching for keywords yeah this guy exists but he's like i gotta get on some podcasts i'm gonna use this
1: (laughs) poor guy chat gpt find me some podcasts talk about rats He would be so disappointed. He would
0: be bummed. We would actually get him on here to just grill him about what kind of poison he's using. Yeah, if it causes cancer, like how do you know that's safe? Are you using it in kitchens?
1: It was great. It it was. It was a laugh riot. Um, (laughs) sorry, Brandon. We're not going to be asking you to to be a guest for a second opinion. Um, but yes, I do have some rats for you. Let's hear them. typically talk about one rat yes one recent advance in treatment and science right but you know there's actually been kind of a lot going on in cancer news lately and yeah um, i'm also getting to the point where i'm not sure how smart i am about (laughs) any of this stuff (laughs) Sure enough, for the both of us. What are you talking about? I mean, you know. Okay, here's. Is this where you
0: you tell us what fifty four episodes in that everything you've been telling us is like
1: not really
0: that true? (laughs) It's
1: made up. a lot of
0: those facts and figures
1: (laughs) kind of just
0: ad libbing a little bit.
1: Oh no, but you know, I I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm just feeling like maybe I'm not that equipped to talk in depth about any one of these. Stories. And so rather than try to explain them in detail like a doofus, when you could just read it yourself and come to your own conclusion, I thought I would do a sort of highlights reel. Yeah, a sprinkle. Yeah, exactly. Great. Let's hear it. Cool. Okay. So um, obviously, all of these are going to be in the show notes. So you can read about them on your Those own. Those of you who
0: are smarter than Steph can <laughs> do a deeper dive than she's willing to do for us today
1: that's true please do and then explain it back to me um from the nci blog which is actually a really great place to go if you're looking for just like yeah. what's new in cancer um it's just at cancer.gov um and they update it really regularly it's it's pretty cool so i guess like this makes sense to me but it wasn't something that was on my radar children who are diagnosed with cancer um now more than 80% of kids diagnosed with cancer are alive five years after diagnosis, which is great. Great. Kids are living longer. They're being put into remission, you know, for the long term, which is wonderful. But that also means that doctors are kind of having to deal with the effects of childhood cancer-specific chemo, like longer into adulthood. Mm -hmm. And I guess one of those effects is... Cardiovascular. So, like a lot of people who have survived childhood cancer end up with really bad heart problems. Mm-hmm. Adriamycin or doxorubicin is one of the drugs that they give to childhood cancer patients that is really damaging to the heart sometimes. Um, and results from a new study say that giving this drug called dexrazoxan or Xenocard. Uh, Before each dose of doxorubicin, substantially decreases the risk that those childhood cancer survivors are going to have heart problems as adults. Hmm. So I think that's really cool. Um, The study was on 195 people who had been diagnosed with cancer as kids, and about half of them had received this dexrazoxan prior to receiving the doxorubicin. Um, And about 20 years later, after their cancer diagnosis, the participants who had received that drug had healthier hearts. Oh, so great. great. There has been a lot of stuff in cancer news lately about mRNA vaccines. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm sure a lot of our listeners had heard or read that they're hoping to have a vaccine for many types of cancer by the end of the decade. Yes. Which is seven years from now, by the way. <laughs> That's my bit of wisdom for you. I can Come do on, math. Moonshot. <laughs> Stuff can, can do math. I know about years. But anyway, um, one of the things about mRNA vaccines is that there is an experimental skin cancer vaccine. It's reducing the risk of recurrence of a melanoma when combined with immunotherapy. So it's a trial of 157 people. They had had surgery to treat their melanoma. And then um, 78.6% of those participants who received the vaccine and immunotherapy Keytruda were free of cancer at 18 months. So great. 62% of people who only got the immunotherapy were recurrence free. So that's quite a substantial benefit, it sounds to me. Absolutely. So, yeah, great. That's a a study from Merck and Moderna that I read on CNN. I will be linking that. And then um, from The Guardian, it's an article about just mRNA vaccines for cancer by the end of the decade, which is seven years from now. It is, as previously (laughs) stated. Seven Rhymes with Heaven, another fact for rats today,
0: (laughs) Steph is confident about.
1: (laughs) That is, I am a wordsmith, I would say, so I'm good at rhyming. Basically, because of COVID, vaccine science has kind of like sprinted ahead, which is really amazing. And that's what's leading them to say that it's possible that we could have like overall vaccines for cancer by the end of the decade.
0: Come on.
1: And, like, I guess the way that it works is the mRNA is translated into protein pieces identical to those found on tumor cells. Um, and then immune cells encounter those and destroy the cancer cells carrying the same proteins. So, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that that's like something we could even hope for by the end of the decade? Yes, yes, yes. Let's do this. I do. And I think the COVID
0: vaccine, like, Yes, it piggybacked on all of this stuff that, you know, like cancer vaccine research was already happening before that. But then, you know, those things all together, like this helps get the COVID vaccine out way faster than it would have if they were starting from grand zero. Yeah. And now we've seen how that acts in populations of human beings. And then it all just builds on each other. And don't you think that that alone can be a good example for why we can move along the process of just clinical studies in general for other Yeah. Do you know what I mean I, though? Like just all sorts of like I get why things have to take a while, but I think things should be getting better the more we have science
1: advancing and technology advancing. Yeah. I hate that it had to come at the expense of all of the lives that we've lost to COVID. You know, I hate that it is getting you know the mRNA vaccines are getting this boost because of a fucking pandemic but I do think that sometimes there needs to be an impetus to really put the pedal to the metal right and if we can use the science that was happening at like breakneck speed because we needed it like Mm-hmm. to save people's lives imminently. If like that can continue to save more lives, then obviously that's great. Um, I do hope that, you know, people don't get to, I don't know, we see it over and over where we get really excited about a drug or about a, a potential in some kind of treatment. And then people are just crushed when it doesn't happen. I know. Because, you know, some of us are like, literally hoping that we can hang on long enough to the end of the decade. So it's tough. It's tough to pin your hopes on something, um, just for it to not work out. But I guess there's nothing yeah. to do but hope, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless you're a scientist and then hope I would assume you'd be doing a lot more than hoping. <laughs> Please right. be working. Working your little fingers to the bone. That's right. Great, And there was also, I mean, I didn't, this wasn't going to be included in my rats, but there was a presentation on the next generation of UrsO, which we talked about on the, on the podcast before, Sarah. Yeah. Um, that's the one our weightlifter helped that's invent. Right. Our sweetie. You remember. Sweetie little. <laughs> that episode. Yeah. I mean, it does seem really promising. It doesn't seem like they've done primate trials but it's had great results in rats and dogs Mm -hmm. and so we'll see we'll see what happens it does seem to have a different mechanism for working than any of the other medications that are currently on the market
0: Mm -hmm. and this is a breast cancer curative drug for estrogen positive metastatic disease
1: right right like
0: eradicates
1: rat (laughs) eradicates yeah so i don't know i mean obviously like my fingers are crossed for that for Mm -hmm. our community of breast cancer people and myself yeah Um, they're
0: just presenting it um to find a pharmaceutical partner and you and i when we were texting about it yesterday and i was like (laughs) i hate to say it i was like (laughs) if, if this shit gets buried And they don't find a partner, I'm going to become one of those psychos who's like, they have a cure for cancer. They just don't want, you know, like, I'm just going to have to be that person because it seems so promising, but I'm, I'm too naive to know how promising it truly is. But
1: I I do. I think that they'll find somebody. Obviously it was good enough to get picked up before it's, you know, something's got to happen. So. Yeah. We will definitely keep people posted. God, my dog is barking. I'm so Silver's sorry. Crossed. Can you hear it? I can. Hi, Rolo. God
0: damn. That's okay. Um, We will definitely keep people posted on what happens with that Sarah 2 or so thing. Yeah. Once we know.
1: And like, honestly, I mean, not to like belabor the point, but I think that besides COVID and all of that is... That we're living in this era of patient advocacy that has not happened before, where people have access to the information about the studies that are happening, about the research that's happening. They can connect with the people working in the labs Mm -hmm. and they can say, hey, we're waiting on this. Like we're literally dying (laughs) for, for a cure. Um, can you please give us an update? Can you tell us where we're at? Can we advocate for you? Can we sign a petition? And so whether it helps or not, I guess remains to be seen, but it certainly doesn't seem like it hurts. Absolutely. All right. There's my soapbox rant over with. (laughs) Get these rats (laughs) out of here. Somebody call Brian. What's
0: his name? The rat exterminator. Brandon. Brandon, we do need you after all. Sorry for everything we said earlier
1: in the episode. We're going to disappear in a cloud of exterminator fumes. (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, that's been our episode. Any other things to say? No, I don't think so. Follow us on Instagram.
0: Oh, do you want to read a review real quick? We're going to coax some reviews out of you folks who have been holding on to your, your review fingers. Now, you know, we'll read them out loud on the
1: podcast.
0: I want to read That's this right. last one we got. How about does that sound OK?
1: Yeah, I love it. These really do make a difference for us, you guys. Like, I have since starting this podcast, I've become like a, a fervent reviewer because I know how good it makes me feel to get feedback that like we're making a difference. Um, So give us a review. Just be nice. Give us a review. We'll read it on the podcast.
0: Um, This review says therapeutic and so
1: relatable.
0: Well, thank you, Mama Life Hacks. She writes, I feel closer to Amy and Steph than I do my own friends and family when it comes to the subject of cancer. I love how they keep it real and have really met me where I'm at throughout my breast cancer treatment.
1: Thank you, Mama Life Hacks. Thank you. We do it all for you, babe we did we did um okay well leave us a review leave us a, a review leave us a review anything else mm-hmm. have a great day have a great day bye Goodbye. bye <laughs> cancer for breakfast is hosted by amy dials and stephanie lesioness and produced by nathan McGeehee. our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir.
0: Find us at CancerForBreakfast.com, Instagram at CancerForBreakfast, and email at CancerForBreakfast at gmail.com.
1: So much for listening. Thanks for listening.